It was only fifty miles, but it was fifty miles in the wrong direction. Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons packed up what little they had and set out to find food. Famine ravaged their beloved Bethlehem. Their city was called the House of Bread, but bread was as scarce as kale chips at a barbecue. Israel was facing severe famine because of their idolatry and rebellion against God. Elimelech and his family heard from someone who told someone that there was food in Moab, but Moab was fifty treacherous miles away toward a heathen, pagan nation. But they trekked. Between seven and ten days, one way through the desolate Jericho Pass, through the wilderness near the Dead Sea, across the Jordan, and into Moab. They were leaving the promised land and heading toward the wilderness just to find food. Hungry people do desperate things. They finally made it there, but they had no intention of staying there. This was just a sojourn. They were going to wait out the famine until the house of bread once again had bread. Then they would return home. But they were in Moab for more than ten years. And while they were there, both of their sons married Moabite wives, and they started their happily ever after. But happy was short-lived. Elimelech, the father of the family, died. And soon so did both sons, leaving only the widow Naomi and her two widowed daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, three widows living in Moab, just doing what they could to survive. And Naomi knew what she had to do. Someone told someone who told her that God was blessing Bethlehem again. After ten years in Moab, it was time to go home. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to a Moabite mother on Simplify. Naomi looked her two daughters-in-law in the eyes and told them, I'm going home to Israel. Now you two stay here, go back to your parents. May Yahweh be kind to you as you've been to me. Misty-eyed, they looked at their mother-in-law, Naomi, and said, no, Mom, we're going we're gonna to go with you to your people and to your homeland. Naomi sighed. It was sweet, but she knew better. Sweethearts, even if I married tonight and bore two sons, would you really wait around until they're grown and ready to marry? Don't waste these good years of your life. You stay here. You get married. You live your life. And Naomi was so broken, she even said, The hand of the Lord is against me. As far as she knew, God was fighting her, and there was no use fighting him. These two widow women had a decision to make. They could stay and hope to find happiness and hope again, or they could go with Naomi, not really knowing where they were going. Orpah made her choice first. She stepped up and kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and she turned back to Moab. And nobody really can blame her. But Ruth clung to Naomi, and she made a statement that has ended up on plaques and cross-stitch and greeting cards and wedding walls. She said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. It sounds like vows. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And the Lord Jehovah do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. It was a vow. It was Ruth's vow. Ruth vowed, I will be faithful to follow you until death parts us. Naomi smiled, then she sighed. She knew she had nothing to offer Ruth, but at least she wouldn't be alone and neither would Ruth. 
They made that dangerous 50-mile trek by the Dead Sea back across the Jordan through the treacherous Jericho Pass. Two widows traveling alone, trusting only in God to protect them because both of their husbands were gone. They finally made it to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. As they settled into Bethlehem, Ruth asked Naomi for permission to go basically find work. Go into the fields and pick up any grain anybody would be kind enough to leave behind for anybody. She found a field near home that happened to belong to her father-in-law's family, a rich man, influential man, powerful man, but a kind man named Boaz. Boaz was good, and he was good to his workers. He came into the fields and blessed them in the name of the Lord, and they gladly blessed him in the name of the Lord, and they went right to work. And Ruth caught Boaz's eye. He asked his foreman, Whoa, who is she? And the foreman told the boss, That's the Moabite woman who came back here from Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Well, she's a hard worker, boss. She she could run circles around a lot of the men we have here. I, I hardly ever saw her take a break. Boaz went over to talk with Ruth. He was intrigued by this mysterious widow woman from Moab. He told her, My daughter, you stay right here in my fields. We're going to take good care of you. I will protect you. My men will not hurt you. When you're hungry, you take whatever you find, and when you're thirsty, you help yourself to water from the well. I've heard about you. We've all heard about you. You left your family and everything familiar in your hometown to make sure your mother-in-law would never be alone. Well, may the Lord Jehovah, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you for your kindness. After their impromptu lunch together, Ruth went right back to work, and Boaz had a sidebar with his workers. He told them to drop handfuls of grain on purpose and let Ruth take home as much as she could carry. God was taking such good care of Ruth because she took such good care of Naomi. When Ruth made it home, Naomi asked her about her first day of work, and Ruth blushed a little. Oh, my. Mom, I met this very nice man named Boaz. He let me work right behind his workers, and I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure they dropped extra grain for me to pick up and carry home. Naomi smiled for the first time in a long time. You said his name was Boaz? Yeah, yeah. You know him? <laughs> know him? He's one of our closest family members. And Naomi introduced a term Ruth may or may not have been familiar with. He's one of our family redeemers. Ruth didn't even blink. She grinned again. Mommy gets better. He wants me to work in his fields until the end of harvest. We were not going to go hungry again this entire season. They went to sleep that night knowing God was looking out for them and he was going to use a close relative named Boaz. Ruth worked with Boaz and his workers all the way until the end of barley harvest. Then Boaz offered her a job extension and she worked with him until the end of the wheat harvest into the early summer. God was so good to Ruth. God was so good to Boaz. Ruth was good to Boaz. Boaz was good to Ruth. Naomi wanted more for Ruth than just living with her bitter, morose mother-in-law for the rest of her life. She wanted Ruth to live her life, find happiness and hope, find love again, Ruth, get married again. And she knew the husband she wanted for her sweet Ruth. She told her, Tonight you dress up, spritz on some perfume, and you go tell Boaz you know who he is, and you know he has the power and the right to redeem you. He could marry you if he wants to. You let him know that. You let him know you know. Ruth went down and waited until Boaz ate and drank and fell asleep with a full belly. She slipped into his tent, lay down at his feet, and some of that perfume just let it waft in the warm summer air. 
Boaz rolled over and woke long enough to see a young woman laying at his feet. He thought, what in the world? Who are you? And he heard her soft, sweet, familiar voice. I'm Ruth, your servant, and you're Boaz, my redeemer. Ruth may or may not have known what that really meant, but Boaz knew. As a kinsman redeemer, Boaz had the right to and the responsibility to redeem an Israelite from slavery or redeem justice for a relative who was murdered by bringing that murderer to justice or buy back a family's farm that had been forfeited or foreclosed on or carry on the family name by marrying a childless widow. Ruth was a childless widow. When she died, her family's name might die with her. Boaz knew what he needed to do, what he wanted to do, but there was a problem. He was not the next of kin. He was next to the next of kin. There was a closer relative who could redeem Ruth, who should redeem Ruth. It was his responsibility as an Israelite. The next day, Boaz sat in the city gate nervously, anxiously waiting for the closest kinsman redeemer, and he came strolling by. Boaz called out to him, Hey, come here, have a seat. I've got a business proposition for you. Boaz called ten of the town leaders over to be witnesses. You know Naomi, right? The redeemer nodded. Well, she came back from Moab a while ago, you know that, and she wants to sell the land that belonged to her late husband, Elimelech, and you're first in line, and if you want it, you can buy it. But if you don't, I do, so I'll buy it. You just let me know what you want to do. The closest kinsman got shekel signs in his eyes. More land meant more money, meant more influence, meant more power. He answered quickly, I'll buy it. I thought you would. Well, there is one condition. You have to marry Ruth. Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, Elimelech's daughter-in-law. Ruth is still young enough to be able to marry and have children. You know the law. You know the rules, especially as a redeemer. You have to marry her to keep the land in her family's name. The shekel signs disappeared. He just came to town to buy some pomegranates. He didn't expect all this. He didn't ask for all this. This would change his life forever. This would change his family's life. This would change everybody's life. And he was not ready, and he was not willing. He shook his head. I, 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 can't, I can't do that. It, it's too much of a risk. I, I, can't, I can't do that. It would hurt my own inheritance. I, I can't. I won't redeem her. That was wedding music to Boaz's ears. Boaz was next in line to redeem Ruth and the land Elimelech owned. Everybody was so happy for Boaz. Boaz was a good man. Everyone was so happy for Ruth. Ruth was a good woman. They were perfect for each other. In just a few short days, Boaz and Ruth married. And Ruth 4 verse 13 leads us to where we've been going this entire episode, this entire story, the entire book that bears Ruth's name. The scripture records, Then the Lord Jehovah opened Ruth's womb and gave her a son. She and Boaz named their son Obed, who sired a son named Jesse, who sired a son named David. There are a few heroes in this story. Ruth was a hero for Naomi. Boaz was a hero for Ruth. But God is the hero behind it all. He brought a faithful kinsman redeemer together with a faithful Moabitess woman so they could have a great-grandson named David who would grow to be the giant slayer sweet psalmist in Israel, king over God's chosen people, man after God's own heart. And God did it when he wrote an outsider into his own family, 
teaching us that he is more interested in faithfulness than pedigree. Maybe you feel like you don't have a lot to offer God. Maybe you feel like you don't have the right connections and the right network. Or maybe you feel like you weren't born into the right family or you weren't given the right opportunities. Can I tell you, none of that truly matters. All that matters is we're faithful to God and God will be faithful to us. I pray the same prayer for you that Boaz prayed for Ruth. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Let God order your steps. He knows what he's doing, and he knows where you're going. Would you pray with me right now for the Lord to order your steps, just as God ordered Ruth's steps all the way from Moab to Bethlehem, and blessed her by bringing her together with Boaz. I'm going to pray that the Lord would order your steps and lead you where you need to be, to go where you need to go, to do what you need to do, all for the glory of God, and to be able to spread this glorious gospel to the rest of the world. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for this beautiful love story you included in Scripture. Thank you, God, for writing an outsider in. Thank you, Jesus, for looking at our faithfulness versus our pedigree or networks or connections or whom we know. I thank you. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be good to the people you have given us in our lives. Help us to be kind. Help us to be faithful to you, faithful to them, to do what you've called us to do and lead us, Lord, where you want us to be. Lead us to do and go where you want us. I thank you. Thank you for your mercy you showed to Ruth. Show the same mercy to us, I pray, as we are faithful as she was faithful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, and let others know about this episode. Let others know about the podcast. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick up my brand new book, Blessed Are a Practical Look at the Beatitudes. It's available at PentecostalPublishing.com. And if you use promo code SIMPLIFY, if you use it for the first time, you get 10% off your entire order. If you're going to be in Indianapolis at the middle of September for General Conference, I will have several copies of, Sim- of Simplify, yes, <laughs> 10 words, but also Blessed are there and we'll be signing books. So if you would like to pick up a copy, a signed copy at General Conference, I will gladly sign a copy there for you of any of those books or all of them. You'll help to feed my hungry family and we are grateful for it. Next week, I want to continue this beautiful story of Scripture, and I want to share with you an episode called Here I Am. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.